considering New Year's Eve on this last Sunday of 2018. So here we are between the past and the future. All special days, right? Holidays, anniversaries, birthdays are days when we find ourselves remembering the past and considering the future. Remembering past joys or past sorrows. We consider where we're going to be on our next journey around the sun, right? When that day comes again. So I thought as a key biblical truth, thinking about the turn of the year, thinking about how God is with us now as we've been celebrating through Christmas tide, Emmanuel, as we remember the past and how to remember the past well. And as we consider the future. Take a moment with me to consider what we hear every New Year's Eve. Luke? Chris? Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to Such a melancholy song, right? With these Scottish words from Robert Burns. Uh, Auld Lang Syne, literally meaning old-time sense, set to the Scottish folk song. It was first heard almost 90 years ago over the radio. Did you know that? 1929, when Mr. New Year's Eve himself, do you remember? Some of you remember who that is because he did this well for, for decades after, Mr. New Year's Eve himself, Guy Lombardo, and the Royal Canadians, yeah? So it's, it's a somewhat melancholy song, and that, by the way, was the first New Year's Eve broadcast from New York. It was on the radio. It's a somewhat melancholy song, and it's a song about remembering the past. Luke? So a bit different from this morning... Um, and thank you for collaboration I had with Fred to consider right around the context of this. I'm focusing on just this small section of Isaiah. Not so much, although I will consider the context, to dig into Isaiah itself, but to think further on what it means to remember well. So one reason I'm doing this too is this verse has been the theme of our Sunday school exploration since fall as we began a three-year exploration of God's story. I'll, I'll say more about that in a moment. And ahead. And ahead. So I want to consider three thoughts. You're going to have to keep going. And we lost the screen. That's a beautiful thing. 
I'm going to be calm about that while you work on that. See if you can bring back the screen. No signal. Lovely. I want to think about God's story and our story. Where I'm headed is a focus on how to remember well in the past. How this reframes the present. And how this gives us renewal for the future. I didn't mean to have an alliteration there, but it kind of happened. Right? Uh, remembering, reframing, and renewal. But first I want to be sure to honor the context of this. Chris, maybe I wonder if you can help. Or if you got it, Luke? I want to be sure to honor the context of this verse in Isaiah. You know, and as always, whenever we look at a verse from the Bible, we have to consider its context in its book. Here, the book of Isaiah. How was it meant? You can go ahead now. Thank you so much for rescue. How was it meant to the original audience? How does it fit into the larger story of God revealed in the entire Bible? You know, what's going on in the verses around it? For this morning, let me only say, the book of Isaiah, is, as many of us know, is full of sweeping grandeur, amazing words about the past, the present, and the future. It's complex as far as time and inutterably beautiful of God speaking to God's people and then speaking across millennia to us. Go ahead. In Isaiah, we find the prophecies of the Messiah, many of the words we've been saying at Christmas tide, and many assurances on how God's story will break into history in a new way with Jesus. Isaiah is quoted more than any other book from the Old Testament, from the Jewish scriptures into the New Testament, off the lips of Jesus himself as he began his ministry. Go ahead. Uh, in Isaiah, we have so much of that beautiful Hebrew poetry that comes to us, even in English transliteration. And I forgot this because I put this in. One of the things I want to carry through today is Isaiah, Deuteronomy, many books that consider the past, present, and future. They're echoing to us again and again that God's story is still unfolding. Go ahead. This verse what I was thinking as I spoke before. So many verses in Isaiah are telling us of that promise that has come to us and is continuing to come, the light of Jesus. Go ahead. So in this verse that I highlighted for today, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. You can hear that parallelism that beautiful Hebrew poetry that brings together parallel thoughts for emphasis and rhythm and beauty. I like how Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase brings out the sense of God's story in this passage of Isaiah, both the past, the present, and the future. Remember your history, your long and rich history. I am God, the only God you've had or ever will have incomparable, irreplaceable, from the very beginning telling you what the ending will be, all along letting you in on what's going to happen, assuring you, assuring you, I'm in this for the long haul. I'll do exactly what I set out to do. Go ahead. But looking more in Isaiah, we also see something about the idea of remembering well, remembering well. Our verse today clearly says, remember the former things. But wait, go ahead. 
a bit earlier in Isaiah, we find this. Forget the former things. <laughs> Context. Context. And this is helpful for some, even ourselves sometimes, who are quick to say that the Bible is full of contradictions, right? It's context. Go ahead. Aha! Thank you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. That'll help my rhythm a lot. So in Isaiah 43:18, where the prophet speaks God's words to forget, in that context, they are bowed down with the fact that they have abandoned their God. How can there be hope because they have turned from God? And in that context, and they have suffered from that, as consequences do. And in that context, God wants to say he has a new plan, good plans for their future, to forget their former rebellion, forget their former loss. But in 46.9, Remember the former things. Remember the former things. The context is remember now in the presence the former things that God has done. That God has done. For confidence in God today and hope for the future. It's an interesting comparison, isn't it? It's some thinking about what it is that we remember and how we remember well. Remember the former things. So I want to think, as I said, about God's story and our story. God's story and your story. God's story and my story. Remembering the past well. What what does that look like? What do we see of that? Both in the written word, in the community of people who follow Jesus, and with the whispers of the Holy Spirit into our own lives. What does that look like, remembering the past well? What does it mean to reframe the present? And how does that offer renewal for our future? I want to put this up, a bit complicated, but just a preview, a teaser for some of you that haven't seen it. When we're talking about God's story, we're talking about that sweep through history from creation to new creation. And these are some of the images we're using in that Sunday school program, talking about creation, covenant, redemption, renewal. This story across the millennia that God has invited us into, God's story. Just a touchback on that. And if you're interested... The second Sunday in January, we have our second intergenerational where everyone's invited upstairs to taste and see what's going on with God's story. But here we stand today. So often, we're in the presence, that intersection of the past and the future. I ask again, and I walk through this a lot in my life, as many of you have, what does it mean to remember the past well? Two of the saddest words, they say, in the English language, if only. And you see, some of you recognize this still. There's George Bailey. It's a wonderful life. And there's Clarence at his shoulder after he's been fished out of the river. Isn't it interesting that this Christmas tide story is so much about considering the past and the future in the present? As George Bailey wrestles with, if only, What's the purpose of my life? What difference has it made? I've taken a wrong turn. And he cries out to God in the movie. As many of us do, sometimes our simplest prayer is, God help. God help. So what's it mean to remember well? Well, he had Clarence. We don't. But we have community. And what I've seen over a long time here and with other Christian friends is what a difference it means in community to remember well. 
it means, makes a difference that we remember well within God's story. And I'll say more about that. And ever so importantly, with the Holy Spirit. And I have a story about that. So what's this mean to remember in community? First and foremost, it's grace and trust. We need people that will offer us grace, will speak God's words of mercy. There are people that need to hear our words of grace and mercy. What the most amazing gift we can give each other is confidence, is holding things in confidence. I have dear friends that are beloved, but I hear them tell stories that other people have trusted to them, and they tell those stories to me. And that causes me to say, I, I need sometimes to guard my heart with them because maybe they'll tell my story where I don't want it told. That's hard. It's something I challenge myself on. Confidence is an amazing, beautiful gift we give each other. So trusted companions, people who are also listening for the Spirit, also soaked in God's story. And so when they listen, they really listen to us. And when they speak, they're speaking not only from their heart, their love for us, but they're speaking God's words in the Spirit. And let me say this at this troubling, sometimes troubling time. We also need people who are specially skilled at listening and speaking. And for several times in my life, I have been blessed with Christian counselors, with different tragedies in my family. I needed that focus. I needed that special skill. Don't ever shy away from that if you feel a tug towards that. Sometimes it's just a short season to sort through. And what a difference God makes through that. One person who has done amazing work in this, uh, Dan Allender, um, you can look him up online. He has some amazing resources. He says, healing in this life is not the resolution of our past. It's the use of our past to draw us into deeper relationship with God and his purposes for our life. So some of us have work to do. Some of us, I so appreciate Cheryl's witness on this. Some of us have work to do. We're in progress. Some of us have things that have festered in the past. And I so appreciated Dick's words about anger and how it festers. Sometimes we need help, a trusted companion that we can speak the truth to and will speak to us, and sometimes a trusted counselor. But what about remembering well, both joys and sorrows, with God's story? Here's something that many of us know to be true. We need to hear and rehear God's story. We need to hear it again and again. And isn't it true when we go back? I mean, I jumped ahead, so let me focus on that point. For many of us that have been reading God's word, hearing God's word for decades, some for just a few years, isn't it true we can hear the same verse 20 times and hear 20 different things? Not the truth of the verse, not its context, not its story, but how God takes that verse and whispers more into our ear. I think that's extraordinary. I think that's amazing. And then how wonderful CBC does this, right? Unfinished stories in small groups. We hear God at work in other people's stories. And that helps us remember well who God is and what God can do. And then this precious gift, we can hear how others see God at work in our renewal. We can hear how God, how other people see God at work in our lives. So we need community to remember well for all of these reasons. And what about the work of the Holy Spirit? Indispensable, our comforter, our advocate, For one thing, words that you and I hear, words that you and I read from God's word, 
are the tools the Holy Spirit uses in our life. Many of you know this to be true. One of the most important things anybody ever encouraged me to do was memorize scripture. And I did that when I was in high school, when I first started following the Lord. And there were years in between when I did not follow the Lord. And you know what happened in those years in between? I'd be walking in the woods, I often do, by myself. And the Holy Spirit would speak scripture to me. All of a sudden, the scripture would come out of nowhere. And they were words of encouragement, words of I love you. I'm going to cry here a little, sorry. But it's what God does. If you, got, if you give God those tools of God's word in your heart and mind, the Holy Spirit will use those to help you remember well and to shape what happens. Oh, I found out how to turn it off now. That's cool. Okay. And what this does is it reframes how we see who we are now, who we are, whose we are. And reframe, many of you know, is a term counselors use a lot. Same circumstances, okay? The circumstances have not changed. Let me say that again. The circumstances in your life haven't changed. And yet through the powerful work of God's word and the spirit, you see it a different way. It's reframed. And I can't say enough, and many of you know, I see the nods, what, what that's like. It can happen in prayer in a moment. It can happen in conversation. It happens through remembering well. And all of this, particularly, you know, when we stand at this intersection between the past and the future, all of this reframes, all of this also renews how we see our future. If we're looking only to our own resources in the present, if we're looking only to what has happened in the past for good or not so good, we don't see the future clearly because we're not looking at the future through God's story and God's work. And I want to say, because I wrestle with this, yeah? Why does this matter? Well, you and I have selective memories. You know that, particularly if you're in relationship, in family, and a couple with friends. You're not going to remember things the same way. We remember things often to our own disadvantage, and some of us, some of us, because of where we traveled, we will remember things to our disadvantage. We will remember things in the worst light, you know, instead of the whole picture. Plus, if you look through the Bible, it's a true, true story that people keep forgetting, right? God keeps reminding them. They keep forgetting. And that's true from beginning to end, from creation to revelation. So we need those constant reminders of God's grace and faithfulness. And I sure need them spoken by other people. I need them brought to life. And that's that strength for the journey ahead. And is often true the way God does things through us, God's work through us. We receive gifts that have a certain shelf life. They have a certain expiration date. Because you know what? They're not supposed to sit with us. They're to be given on, given elsewhere. So God's work in us and through us. This is a, another quote that I've, I've sat with over time. Some of you know Corey Timboom, extraordinary story. In her later years, she took on the Nazis, hid Jews, and ended up in a concentration camp where she saw her sister die. But years before the hiding place, extraordinary story of that, look what she wrote. Today I know that memories are the key not to the past but to the future. I know the experiences of our lives when we let God use them become the mysterious and perfect preparation for the work he will give us to do. 
imagine that? Decades before God used her in such a powerful way, she was realizing that what happened in her life, what had happened in her past, not all sun, not all sunshine and roses, was something that God used to prepare her. She had no idea the work God had for her. I find encouragement in that. But let me just take two more steps here, looking in what the New Testament, some references in there about remembering and forgetting. And here's a passage. I encourage you to remember it. It strengthened me. Words of Paul to the church in Philippi, especially that first part, right? Not that I've already obtained this or I have already arrived at my goal. And I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on to enter the story, my story, into God's story. One way I think of that. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's Paul talking. Super apostle man. Have not taken hold of it. But watch this. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. I think, Cheryl, you were praying some of this verse. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I put in red Paul's words about forgetting. Again, remembering well. What do we remember? What do we forget? The context here in Philippians 3 starts out with Paul testifying to all the credits he thought he had with God. All the religious training and all the religious status he thought he had. And how he counted that all as loss compared to the value of really knowing, really pressing into knowing Jesus Christ. So this forgetting is forgetting what you think has earned you status with God. You can forget how you may have failed God. The Bible tells us to look beyond that. We can also forget anything we think gives us credit with God beyond Jesus. Because look at this. This is Paul again later in his life and how blunt he is. How blunt he is. He hasn't forgotten where, where he was, who he was. He hasn't forgotten. He spoke openly of it, apparently here to Timothy. But look how he put it, look how he reframed it, how he remembered his past into God's story. Among whom I was the foremost. He can look dead-eyed, open eye at the mistakes he's made and then say, I am in Jesus. And then this, for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So he sees his own mistakes as material that God can use for good for other people. So moving from remembering the past to reframing the present. And I talked a bit about what reframing the present in God's story might be. And there's three helps. And some of you know all three. Some of you practice all three. But I, I thought it might be helpful for myself too, mind you, to be reminded of this. The, the act of worship, whether it's here in this room, in your car, on your own, is a way we reframe the present, isn't it? Uh, when we hear preaching, and the Sundays I can't be here, I'm, I'm so blessed to be able, and I want to thank all the sound people that make this happen, so blessed to be able to keep up with the sermons. And they reframe me. 
especially as we've been walking through to see the Beatitudes from God's view. Because isn't that a reframing? We look at them and we think, whoa. And then we come over here, often with Dick's help to say, and others to say, oh, but this is who God is, and this is from where God is speaking. In prayer, not just my own, but hearing other people pray shifts something inside of me. I hear their faith. I hear their relationship with God. To hear other people pray is reframing. And then the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. We remember, we proclaim, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Again and again, we rehear the story, and it shapes us new every time. Some of us have practiced the learning circle and, and thinking about Kairos moments. What is that about? What is God saying? What will I do about it? It is remembering our past well. It is reframing the present, and it's looking to the future. And so much needed is, is accountability on that, someone to think with us. And then one for this morning, as I finish here. I thought about something that... Um, uh, someone else, well, actually, Dick Dunkerton taught me years ago, which is the idea of journaling. You may not be a journaling person, but it goes to this idea that we need a record kept. As much as the people of Israel did, we need a record kept of the victories that God has given us, the struggles that we've had, and we need a tangible reminder of that. And I look around this room, this chain, and you know, each link is one of those, right? Stories, God's stories. So what's it mean to raise monuments along the way? Uh, we saw that in, in Joshua. They crossed the river and they each took 12 stones. They stacked it up and, and the verse goes on. Uh, when your children ask you later what these 12 stones mean, be ready to answer. So if we raise monuments for what God has done, Today, now, in the presence, in the present, we are reframing the present, aren't we? We're saying, we're saying, thus far the Lord has helped me. And that strange word, it is a weird word, right? Because it's a name, because it's Hebrew, Ebenezer, Ebenezer. Most people will think Ebenezer Scrooge. But it's interesting to consider that Charles Dickens was steeped in God's story. He knew scripture. Ebenezer wasn't an accident as a first name. And I like this quote from Charles Dickens. I've always striven, always tried in my writings to express the veneration, the honor for the lessons, life and lessons of our Savior. Interesting, right? You read Christmas Carol anew with that in mind. So Ebenezer, thus far the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer literally, some of you know, it means stone of help. Stone of help. It's a victory marker. They had a battle, you can read in 1 Samuel 7 about it, and they knew they only won that battle because of God. They only were there because of God's intervention. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. So tangible reminders are something I try to do more. Some seasons of my life I've done better, but I know that God has used them in a powerful way because guess what? In the darker seasons of my life, I turn back to them. I turn back and say, thus far, the Lord helped me. Let me never forget, he hasn't failed me yet. So I want to encourage, and I confess I've seated the audience a little. I'd like you to consider what your Ebenezer is for 2018. 
No context here. This time, no context. No context, no story. No story. But is there a word or phrase, a word or short phrase, to say what God has done for you, for your family, for your friends in 2018? What's your Ebenezer? Who wants to start? Amen. Anyone else? You can say from your seat. You don't have to. A word or phrase. You haven't left us uh, this year or last year, and you won't leave us this coming year. Anyone else? Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. ago I was praying like crazy that we would have a good time with my daughter coming up and my husband who isn't always comfortable with us and I would say that it was wonderful comfort it was very comfortable and that was a very special thing in spite of the fact that we had three days with no sewer whoa (laughs) whoa anyone else time for a few more go ahead you can Transformation. It happens. Amen. Did everyone hear that? He said transformation. It happens. That renewal. Other thoughts? Anyone else want to say? No pressures. God has continually shown his love. Amen. Oh, and and then oh, two more here. So Anne and Kathy, go ahead, Anne. Um, through my ministry, I saw God's healing. His release from fear and anxiety in the heart of one of the men, his ability to endure adversity, even rejection from his own faith. Amen. And he's walking close with God to God's Thanks be to God. Go ahead. Uh, sort of a long suffering, step by step patience, um, and a renewed focus. Amen. Oh, one more. Victory. Victory. Um, my daughter has been trying to get a foster child for the last two years. Last Friday, she was awarded the child. Wow. Praise God. Amen. Okay. So we're called to remember the former things, those of long ago. And in the ringing statements that God's Spirit spoke through Isaiah to the people then to our hearts now. He says, I'm God, and there is no other. I am God, and there's none like me. I want to think briefly and then end with a a two-minute video. Actually, I think one minute, 45 minutes, seconds. But um, (laughs) about renewing the future. And for me, there's there's two parts, and I see that got cut off. Lovely. just to say again and again and again that God is with us. God is with us now for healing, for renewal, for new life in Jesus. I can testify, and many people here can too, that God can heal your past, transform your past, build something amazing out of it. 
for good for you and for others. And with that, God invites us into God's work. So as we look ahead, as I look ahead to 2019, I want to always have my eyes open and alert in community with the help of others speaking of where God is already working that I'm called to step into. So things haven't turned out as you hoped. Life took a turn. A bump. A darkened sky. And at times it may have seemed there was no hope. But here's the good news. Our God is the God of fresh starts. Our God is the God of new beginnings. Our God brings new mercies, new compassions, not just once a year, not just when things are bad, but every single morning. This season has been tough. And for many of us, things will never be the same. But we are here, breathing, maybe smiling, or crying, or shouting, or laughing. But we are here, feeling. Maybe fighting, or cheering, or seeking, or grieving, but we are here, living, and we are not alone. Our God is here. Our God is with us. And our God is the God of new creations.